And everything that we do in design is so the consumer experience can be the very best because I think everything falls from there or comes from that. You know, deals are a natural byproduct, doing the right things, having higher higher uh, sold, sold ratios, um, negotiating better, having better skills and development, better buyer presentation, listing presentation. These are all natural byproducts of doing the right thing as a team collectively. I think you lose a lot of that when you just throw a bunch of numbers or become a mass brokerage and people are doing their own thing. And again, I'm not saying it's good or bad or right or wrong. I'm saying that's the difference I've noticed. I used to chase the ROI all the time, return on investment. And over the course of time, that has evolved into what I call return on life. Welcome listeners, it's uh, Randy Dick here. We're back with the Return on Life podcast where it's not about the ROI. Did you hear that? It's not about the ROI, it's about the ROL, the return on life. And uh, what is return on life to you? That could be something completely different than myself or my amazing guest, Dan Plowman. Dan is what I would call, hey, these are some words that I think of when I think of Dan, go-giver, pioneer, trailblazer, innovator, relentless, elevator. And then most of you know him as a coach or a mentor. I met Dan back in 20. 11 i think it was and dan was uh, going across the country and giving um team leads guidance on how to build their team and give them structure and that's where i connected with dan first he gave me so much value and today i just uh really admire what he's done still uh, i see him as a friend and somebody that i can lean on whenever i need some help and i'm so excited to welcome dan here by the way i should mention that dan's been in real estate for night since 1989 longer than me I'm 1992, but Dan's yeah. six amazing kids, nine grandchildren, a beautiful wife named Rachel. And of course, he's hanging out at his return on life spot at the lake today. So welcome here, Dan. Thanks for having me, Randy. How are you? Well, I'm doing well, but uh, I'm better when I'm with you. We're all better together. When we're surrounded by great people, we're just better together. So welcome here. Welcome here. When you hear... Um, return on life. Let's just start there. When you hear return on life, what does that mean to you, Dan? Well, I mean, I, I think back through, you know, many, many years at different times, it meant different things, but it certainly has uh, a different ring and meaning at 59 years old now than it certainly did years ago. You know, I think when I started in real estate, I'll never forget, I was 25 years old and a realtor said to me once, you're only as good as your last deal. And it rang, it resonated in a sense that was very different then than it is now. Um, I think then you take some things for granted, at least I did anyway, with regards to time. There's lots of it. And then, you know, I can waste time or, or take time or time to take for me. And you've heard me say time bandits before, et cetera. But definitely a different meaning today, I would say, Randy, without question. Um, I value things very differently today. I guess I'll say it like that. You know, you mentioned time and time. If you ask somebody at 20, time is a different definition than somebody at 40 or 60 or 80. And um, my thought on time is that as we age, we start to realize that, gosh, time is running out. And it almost seems like it speeds up because there's just less time on the clock for us as humans. Um, does that resonate with you? Does that uh, make any sense? Yeah, hey man, I go back a bit further. I remember sitting in 
uh, you know, grade five, grade six, where my greatest fun of the day was playing, you know, road hockey or basketball after school with my friends. And school didn't end till three o'clock. When I started to watch the clock at 2.45 till three o'clock, that 15 minutes was the longest 15 minutes I can still remember today. So, but how fast does 15 minutes go now, right? In like an hour, two days, a day pops by like nothing. But I can remember staring at that clock in school for that last 15 minutes before the bell rang, and it was forever. That doesn't happen now. You're right. Time does certainly go much faster. Hmm. Hey, can you share uh, your journey into real estate? Um, you know, um, 1989, what was happening in Dan's world? What was your mindset? Why real estate? Um, share a little bit about that uh, that journey of entering into real estate. Sure, sure, man. Yeah, I uh, I play. I was fortunate at a young age when I was uh, playing basketball at a pretty high level and played provincials, uh, junior, and then I played at a high school t- a team that we won Toronto's that year. It was pretty cool. We had a great team and great guys. And then I went on to you know want to go to York University, and that didn't work out as well as I wanted it to because of course I wanted to play ball there, et cetera. And, and I had offers to play ball in different spots, but I had uh, two kids and I needed to stay and work. And I was working in the summer in the HVAC industry because that's my family's business was heating and air conditioning. So I just naturally migrated to making monies there. And of course I got my gasfitter's license in the summer and I was you know making good money. And then you no, know, by the time a summer job came around when I was 19 years old, I was making really good money. I started my own business and heating and air conditioning. And before you knew it, I was 24 years old. I had 20 guys working in my HVAC industry and in the HVAC business. I said, oh, I'll go back to school later. I'll go back to university later. You never, I mean, you never do, of course. But I did get my college certificates that were required for me to have my master's heating license at a very young age in Ontario. And uh, I did continue to finish some university courses, but they were part-time at night. And then I... Uh, I did very well in the HVAC business, but what I enjoyed the most was even though I was swinging the wrenches and helping the guys a lot during the day, um, I had built the business and enjoyed that part of it, but I loved the sales more than anything. I'd go out in the evenings and I would do sales. Even when I was tired, I remember coming home to the shower and changing, getting in nicer clothes. Even though I was tired, I actually looked forward to going out and doing sales. So interesting, right? But by 25 years old, I knew I wanted to go into sales. I had purchased a small piece of land outside the city of Toronto for $12,000. Now we're going back to 1988, 89 here. And I remember talking to the realtor on the phone and having to go down to Staples to do the paperwork by fax back in the day. And and, uh, never met the realtor. I talked to him maybe 20 minutes total, Randy, to realize, because I asked him, how do you get paid? Like, how do I pay you? Thanks for helping us, you know? And I had no idea how real estate was done. And he said, oh no, I get paid from the sellers. I said, do you mind if I ask what, what you make? What they, what they pay. He said 10%. That was normal for vacant land and rural properties back then or for something. So 1200 bucks this guy made for talking to me on the phone for 20 minutes. That's all I saw, right? I didn't see the other side of him working with the sellers and everything else. But I'm, I remember complaining about this to people and friends and my brother and other people. And we're, we're whining about it. It's going to be 1200 bucks. It blows my mind. I work for a week sometimes to make 1200 bucks. You know what I mean? And anyway, he, uh, 
by the way, back then, 1200 bucks was a lot of money. So he said to me, and I still think it is, but you know what I mean, relatively speaking to the time. So I said to somebody and they said, well, why don't you get your real estate license then? Well, then my you know, receptors open and I start to notice realtors everywhere. Nicest cars, nicest jewelry. Oh my gosh, they're dressed better than everybody. So I, I get my real estate license. This is awesome. This, I, I think I love sales. Sold my HVAC company to my brother, who was a better mechanic anyway than me. And uh, I wanted to sell, I went into real estate and I never looked back. Of course, the market, you know, took a dive. Our, our real estate board was about 2,600 people when I started in November of 89. And I remember my broker saying to me at the time, he said, the day you started is the day the market turned plowman. And I was like, wow, that's quite a weight on my shoulders. I, I'm the reason the market failed. And then rates, you know, rates went 16, 18%. Within 30 months, our board had cut in half for realtor members, like down to 1300, just cut right, just right in half. And of course, people were handing their you know keys back to the bank, power sales everywhere. But that's the market I learned in. I came in for, for four years. You know, I made rookie of the year my first year, but I worked hard. I pushed hard. I'd already established and developed a work ethic. 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks didn't scare me. I also had at this point now three kids, and I was, you know, there was no turning back, right? So Anyway, that's how I started in sales. I realized that that was the part of the business I loved the most. And I went into it. And I'm grateful I did because real estate's great. I love it. Absolutely. You know, and you mentioned that you're running a team, a large team at the HVAC business already. That takes leadership. Then you come to real estate. You become rookie of the year. You've got the work ethic. You're grinding. You're rising above all the others. And then you say, I'm going to build a team. Is that how that worked out? Or you just had some yeah, of the I, that you... Yeah, you're right. It, it was a few years later because I wasn't sure with, you know, regulatory aspects or factors uh, governing our, our, our real estate, Reba or Rhea Korea, same as in British, same as any, any province or any state, it's the same thing, all that governing bodies. And I wasn't sure yet how to leverage people, technology, marketing and apply those things. Um, but I knew I had an understanding of the, the business, how business works, right? One of the things I realized very early on in real estate was how many hats that we wear, mm -hmm. how many different hats we wear. And I also was very honest and integral in being able to look in the mirror and say, I'm not very good at that or that or that, but I know it needs to be done. I know it's important for the business. So I worked hard. I pushed way too hard too long when I should have started a business sooner. But it took me a while, about 10 years before I realized, hey, what if I do this? What if I do that? And I start, it started, to, once it played out in my head, it was like, okay, here we go. We're going to do this thing, right? So yeah, it did take a little bit. But once, uh, once it did, I got back to my old self, brother. <laughs> right on. And uh, were there any like crucible moments that kind of like tipped you into that? Like, I remember when I started a team, I was just so overwhelmed with the work, the leads, and I was just desperate to find somebody just to alleviate some of that pressure. That was kind of the, 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 the crucible moment that pushed me into building a team. What was it? Was it just that? Was it, uh, gosh, I, I see a bigger opportunity here. I want to make more dough. What, what was it? It was, it was some failure that was happening. Let me explain. I got to 67 deals on my own. And the sweet spot to maintain proper relationships and service clients properly is about 40 to 45. That's what I believe as an individual. And by the way, that means your personal life might be sacrificed a little bit, even with 40 or 45. That's busy, man. That's More than a little bit in a lot of right? cases. Right, yeah. And so when I was doing 67, I actually was dropping balls. 
uh, I hope I can say this, pissing people off. I, I know that's a little abrasive, but I was. And I remember people were angry with me because I was not you know, doing what I should be doing or responding as quickly with everyone. And I can actually remember saying, I've either got to go back to 40, 45 ends, or I've got to go the other way, but I've got to bring some help in here. That was the moment for me. And I remember that vividly. I remember that day vividly because I had a couple of arguments with clients on the phone where, and they were right. They were right. <laughs> so it was, I was dropping balls, brother. But I remember that moment vividly. That was it for me. Hey, well, let's talk about the number of deals. So 40, 45 is the deal count that you say is the magic where you can still be super productive and still be you know, high on service and give great service uh, at, a, at a pace that everybody appreciates. Do you think that's still true today? Because I see agents, like the production of agents is significantly less these days. Is it the work ethic? Is it the expectation? Is it the regulations and all of the protocol we have to go through? Um, or is it just the commissions are larger and people just feel like, huh, I don't need to work as hard? Maybe a bit of all those things, but I also did not see back in the day a team. So that was a thing you'd never heard of. You might see husband and wife working together, but you never, and that was the earliest form of teams really, wasn't it? But you didn't really see it then. If you look on every board now from here through Calgary, through British Columbia, pretty much all over North America, if you look at every board, most of the deals being done are being done by a, a form of team one or another. And then, and then you have the individuals, true individuals, pardon me, below that. And when you look at true individual numbers, I believe they're not leveraged as much in deals because more early on now, people will move in the direction of teams, whether they join or become team leaders. So I just think it's, it's more of a team thing now. That you, when you when you get to forty or fifty deals, you're, you will naturally migrate there because it's an understanding that can be done. Where before, I don't believe it was even I don't think it was thought of. I remember teams very early on, and I had a tag in my Dan Palmer coaching the future of real estate that I would use, and I can remember broker owners saying, coming up to me on stage or saying, you know, in, in messages, "Oh, this is just a fad. It's never going to last. Teams will never take off. It's never going to work." Well, they're doing most of the deals now on most boards. Yeah, they are. Definitely they are. I've been uh, privileged to be in a number of rooms in the last 12 months where it's just high level teams and high level masterminding in teams. Nice. And uh, there is a, a shift that's happening with the team model. Um, some of the team models just don't work anymore. Of course, it's changed over the course of time. You've been running team for, is it about 25 years now? Yeah, it's almost 25 years now that I've had the team. And, yeah, and has, has your idea of the model and the way you've structured it changed at all over those 25 years? Are you still pretty much running it similar to what you did when you started? And of course, you know, the first year or two, you're kind of learning and grinding it out and finding the, the sweet spots. But um, it was just really interesting being in these rooms and how few teams are actually profitable right now in the market that we're in was the... The, the aha moment in those rooms. Yeah, so I've I've watched teams get away from uh, individual growth and development from the team leader to the partner and go down the path more of big branding and a multitude of people 
higher splits to attract more, regardless of whether or not it creates a culture of value with regards to a true team concept or not. More of a brokerage, hybrid brokerage slash team, if you will. And and that's I'm not saying it's good or bad or right or wrong. I'm just saying what I've seen evolve with most of the bigger teams where you know some of these guys that were running tight teams with 15 agents doing 150, 200, 250 deals a year have gone to 65, 70 agents, changed their splits, um, and they're happy doing that, knowing that they're able to do the amount of deals they do and maintain or dominate a number one status in their communities. So I've watched things change, but there are still a very few amount of teams who have maintained, in my opinion, a true team concept, but, you know, uh, 15 or, or less, if you will, under 20 partners on the team, um, different departments that are set up to help elevate the licensed realtor. And that's the culture. Everything we do is to make sure those guys have better productive activities and everything that we do in design is so the consumer experience can be the very best because I think everything falls from there or comes from that. You know, deals are a natural byproduct, doing the right things, having higher higher uh, sold, sold ratios, um, negotiating better, having better skills and development, better buyer presentation, listing presentation. These are all natural byproducts of doing the right thing as a team collectively. I think you lose a lot of that when you just throw a bunch of numbers or become a mass brokerage and people are doing their own thing. And again, I'm not saying it's good or bad or right or wrong. I'm saying that's the difference I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, AI seems to be the topic that uh, is the buzzword, the buzz topic. Uh, how do you see AI playing out in real estate? Well, I mean, we, we, we cheat with it a bit, you know, with our some of the stuff we do. We, we use it to uh, streamline some of the things that we do. Um, artificial intelligence, uh, I believe we've yet to see what capable things can come from AI. Um, I wonder if it will tell us what it's going to do and let us know as we can handle or absorb what we're capable of handling. I think maybe that's a better question sometimes. How fast are we going to be able to allow what it's capable of to bring our way? And that, by the way, is a very deep, long conversation, but um, yet to be seen, brother. Mm, I had a, a, an expert on AI and real estate uh, visit my office last week, and we did a working session. And uh, I thought I had a bit of an understanding on it. And uh, by the end of the meeting or the, the working mastermind session, I realized that I still have my training wheels on. And uh, it cool. was a big eye opener. Cool. Yeah. I'd love to chat with that person, man. Hook me up. I will do that. I will do that. Yeah. Um, Phil Stringer is his name, by the way. But uh, for our listeners, if you're looking for somebody that really understands AI and real estate, Phil Stringer, philstringer.com. So a little plug out to Phil. Amazing. Nice. Great story behind him as well. Um, hey, let's uh, let's get away from real estate a little bit. Let's talk. Okay. Uh, what makes Dan happy? What is balance life? Uh, what makes you just get up in the morning and feel like I am alive? And I know I know real estate does that for you. And I know doing deals does that for you too. But there's more to Dan than just real estate. Well, yeah, I mean, sure, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I love that my team is so productive. I think the bigger thing for me now is, you know, when I talk to my director of operations or my wife, who's the broker record, I'm like, hey, how's, t- you know, how's so-and-so doing, how's so-and-so doing, how's so-and-so doing? And I'm able to maybe sit on in on a one-on-one with them, uh, which we do once a month with our partners to make sure that they're, 
you know, we're doing what we can to make sure they reach their goals, that they're on track to, 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 to do what they want to do. Because my team platform very much believes in no expenses for realtors and getting them to six figures as quickly as possible within the first 12 months. And then we teach them how to make 200, 250, 300, and then the sky's the limits from there. Then some people make seven, 800,000 on our team. So my goal and my joy truly comes from watching people grow, develop, buy cottages, buy multiple homes. I mean, that's exciting to me. One of the girls on my team um, came in the office and we asked every week and one of our two meetings, we have buddies and Fridays, you know, what's something that happened last week that was amazing for you or what you're grateful for? Gratitude's a big thing. And she said, I am so grateful for all the wonderful things. By the way, this person's been on my team for about 17 years. I'm so grateful for all the wonderful things that have come my way over the many years I've been a part of this team. But how amazing is it that last week I was able to pay my mother's mortgage off for her and surprise her? Mm. That's pretty cool, man. And, and you know, I, I feel I'm a part of that. Like, I feel, hey, this is great. Our system's helped with this stuff, right? So I really genuinely, I can honestly say, I genuinely enjoy watching people grow and develop. Because when I started and I was alone, I bought the first person in. I was a different person, man. It was like, I gotta share a deal with somebody. I don't, I, I don't know if I can give this money away. And basically that's how it felt. I'm giving you a client? What if, what if they only want to see me, you know? And then, and then you know, it was, like, it was like a step backwards to make two. But then I realized, hey, if this person prospers, I make this person as good or better than me at doing this in that area. And then, oh, now I can do it again and again and again. And, and that's ultimately what happens. You know, you've got to sometimes you know, shelf the ego and shelf the me, 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 and, and look at people and say, I want you. I want you to do amazing. I want you to do amazing things. And I know you can. So that's that's mm -hmm. cool for me. I, that makes, that really gets my blood flowing more now than doing deals. Because I get okay. deals are a natural byproduct of helping others. I can even say yeah. that. I love that. You know, everything rises and falls on leadership, as John Maxwell would say. And, um, and five levels it, of leadership. Yeah. And, and how that works is that you have to allow people to leverage you. Like, you know, leverage, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to leverage you. Well, you allow those agents to leverage everything that you've learned, done, you have, you've created, and then you allow them to go and build legacy on their own because of that. That is true. Awesome. And so I just love the way that you shared that. That is, uh, that is pretty exciting. Um, who are your influencers? Who's who's influenced you in some of these things? And have you had a coach? Uh, you've coached me in the past. Have you had a coach? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've had some coaches over the years. Absolutely. I've had many different coaching experiences. Um, I've had business coaches as well as I you know, reach different levels. And some of the big influencers in my life come from uh, books I love reading now, Randy, and I did not love reading most of my life. I have truly embraced and enjoyed reading probably the last five, seven years, brother. Not like a long time in my life, man. And I'll tell you, it's changed. It's changed me. It's just, it's just grabbed me, man, like a magnet. I love a lot of great leaders that I've attached myself to from books. You know, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. Um, you know, I've done work with him and done courses with him. I've had, I've been on stage with Robin Sharma. I've had him speak at my events. Robin Sharma, phenomenal soul and spirit. Mm -hmm. I'm rereading one of his books right now and I love it. Um, I, I, I've got a lot, man, I go on and on uh, of people that have influenced me over the, over the years. 
and over the days. But uh, I think those two right now, probably because I'm reading Robin right now, jumps out at me right now. I'm reading Everyday Hero again. And it's a great book. You've read it. I can tell by the look on your face. It's a great book. He's a great guy. But I, I, I've got a lot of people that I could actually, you know, go into from with yeah. regards to book. Well, I, I know I've mentioned this a few times on on the podcast, but there's a book I think everybody needs to read called uh, "Who Not How" by Dan Sullivan and ben Dan Sullivan, awesome author, awesome guy, man. <laughs> yes. And, you know, so so often in our lives, I think we think of, well, I'm going to figure out the how. I'm, I got to figure out this, how to do this, how to do that, rather than just finding the who, not only that is awesome at it, but absolutely enjoys it, where we struggle with doing some things with the how, because we're not either good at, we don't enjoy it, but we just know we got to get that stuff done. But uh, that is a great, great read as well. Yeah, um, yeah avoid, the, avoid the push. You don't have to push. Because people that love or embrace those wonderful things that you may dislike very much, they have an interesting way of doing them effortless, effortlessly. It's amazing. It's incredible to watch. So that, that is one thing that's kind of limited my success at times because I'm going to do it rather than finding the who. Is there anything that's uh, limited your success that uh, comes to your mind? Well, you mean now or over the years or both? All of the above. Well, I think, you know, when I look back, I think of um, I think of all of the things that I did know and didn't apply soon enough. Mm. Uh, call it complacency, call it whatever you want. And I think complacency is a massive killer of opportunity in a business where we are not micromanaged. Mm. Human nature sets in and allows us to maybe go golfing or put our feet up too many times when we're coasting or getting by i can go on and on i've been guilty of that and you know i mean i i, I think one of my biggest unique abilities is that i have this true natural fire in my belly i've had people say to me three o'clock in the afternoon holy cow man do you drink a lot of coffee i'm like no not since 9 30 this morning i've only had one they're like well, where do you get this energy from but the downside of that is when i'm high doing that, that which is me by nature Quite often, I can have lows, man. People don't see that. So to me, that's been something that I've worked through with regards to understanding what it means to be more in tune with knowing and understanding when I'm feeling down or I'm, I'm being complacent. I don't let it stay there. I believe there are things that I've done that have allowed that to not be as up and down in my life. And, and it's more like this, which I'm grateful for, more balanced, if you will. So, um, you know, many things from meditating to reading to um, just having more time to focus on things. Um, I really schedule time well, Randy. I enjoy things in life. I, I smell the flowers now. I actually stop and smell the flowers where I would have traipsed right over them before I've not seen them um and I know that's metaphorical but I'm being serious when I say that so I'm and maybe that's part of getting you know maturing and getting older you know it's, it's interesting we we mature we get wiser if you will uh, but time goes faster I'm like wow <laughs> I wish I'd known all this 30 years ago right or been like this then <laughs> so true yeah uh I have a buddy that says uh, I'm wiser wider <laughs> and better Wiser, wider, older, and better. Funny, man. Yeah, but true. <laughs> you know, uh, you, you talk about energy, and you've got tons of energy. Uh, I've been with you, you know, in rooms, and you just have a lot of energy. Um, 
had a great guest on a while ago, uh, Scott Smith, and you won't know him. Uh, I didn't know him until I interviewed him, but he had a really cool piece on energy. He said, energy plus tools equals creation. And you decide what creation is. And you decide what, it's your energy. Then you decide which tools you're going to play with or use. And then you create something. And then he also talked about just having silence and being in the power of your own presence, because that's when you understand presence. And you talk about, you know, in the past, you just, you know, plow over the, the flowers and you wouldn't even see them, smell them, adore them. And um, so I really appreciate you sharing that, that you are, you're finding that um, I'm in the same place in my life. And maybe that is age. Maybe that's where we've maybe arrived in different places. I don't know, but I'd really encourage our listeners to really think about presence and quietness. Um, and by the way, who are you in the quiet? I, I see pictures of you on your dock in a beautiful, you know, chair relaxing. Is that is that Dan in the quiet, or what is Dan in the quiet? Family. Family, six kids and, and nine grandkids. I've got three kids from our first litter. They're like, and I say first litter, second litter, because the kids hate that when I reference it in that manner. And, and, and so my older kids are like 39, 41, and 42 this December, 41 and 42, the oldest. Um, and then, you know, I, and then I have a 15, 17, 19 year old. And, um, and, and everybody's close, everybody lives close um which is cool i mean really cool that everybody lives you know within not many kilometers so i get to see everyone we have you know the lake house or the cottage and then the big house um but i, I it's awesome that uh, and this the lake house probably has two two properties on two homes on it so we're very i'm very very fortunate and this was the why that made me cry for a long time was to make sure i had a cottage on this lake balsam lake where my wife and i got buried that we could come as, as a place where we can, you know, be grounded. And I had, when I talked about that vision years ago with my wife, I had, I did have two nickels to together probably years and years and years ago. And, uh, but I, I said to her when I married Rachel, I said, give me 10 years, I'll buy your cottage on the lake. We got married on the lake. And she said, yeah, okay. You know, like, sure. <laughs> but it was 10 years to the day, by the way, the offer was accepted. Amazing, right? To the day. I talk to about the day. that. To the day. So and don't then, tell me that nothing is manifested, brother. It's it's so powerful, man. It is. Uh, we could talk mm -hmm. about that, Randy, for hours, and I could tell you some stories that chills up your spine. But uh, I I'm so grateful that, that I have a very strong family, you know, connection and places where we do come and connect, and it's immediate. We do every holiday together and then the kids enjoy the cottage here as much as they possibly can as well on the grandkids so for me that would be the guy i guess behind the scenes you maybe don't see much is just the family guy i love it you know you're giving me goosebumps you're giving me goosebumps dan um and that that kind of stuff that you just shared just doesn't happen it it happens with intention which i know you're a very intentional guy it happens when you um are a man that really shows your 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 love. I mean, I think you're a very soft individual. I mean, you can come across as this really strong individual, but I think you know there's this super soft, compassionate, empathetic, and um, you know a guy that uh, I would say 
Well, I'm going to go a little bit deeper here. You got to love yourself so you can love others. Yeah, I believe that. I think, and I think that's a good thing. Absolutely. I, I mean, my wife will tell tell anybody that yeah, Dan seems you know aggressive or abrasive sometimes when he comes in the room. But he's the he's the the softest teddy bear around too. I mean, uh, it's funny. One of my six children um, has a very soft soul. If if I were or we were you know more aggressive with her or talked to her the same way we might somebody else, she she'd be quicker to break into tears. Mm -hmm. And I can be like that, believe it or not. So yeah, you're right. You you pegged me. <laughs> Sure, I have a soft side, man, but I I like it. It's okay. It's cool. You taught me through that your program. You 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 put me through disc. <laughs> yeah, there you I go, bro. You. Yeah. Uh, hey, what's your greatest gift? I think identifying people where their unique unique abilities lie and help directing them in the manner in which they're going to enjoy their day. By that, I mean connecting them with the perfect job description. I think I'm really good at that. I really do. And I think unique ability is a big word, right? Those are big words. Yeah, that is a that is a great gift. And not only is it a great gift for you, but you're giving a gift to everybody that you help with that and understanding where they fit best. So that is amazing. Um, so on the other side of gifts, there are fears. Um, fear, is it a motivator? Is it a foe? Is it a friend? What is fear? Or does fear even exist for you? Fear. False evidence appears real. F-E-A-R. What is fear for me? I see fear when I look back in my life and the things that I feared has been more a motivator than anything. Oh, you're 17. Your high school sweetheart's pregnant. Oh, my. Um, that's a pretty good motivator to grow up a little faster, maybe not waste time, maybe learn how to go make money sooner. Is that good or bad or right or wrong? I'm not judging. And I'm just saying fear sure kicked my butt into gear in a different direction, mind you, mind you, but not a bad thing. Coming into real estate in 1989, watching the real estate board cut in half as far as membership goes, sitting behind my desk the first two months, wondering if I made a big mistake selling my HVAC business that was making money. And here I am going, People are leaving this business. What's going on? What am I going to do? Uh, fear kicked me into another gear. I went from working what I thought was a lot of 50 hours a week to about 80 to 85 quickly. Fear kicked my butt, which motivated, inspired me to stop doing one open house on a Saturday to two on a Saturday, two on a Sunday, one on a Tuesday night in a busy road, one on a Thursday night in a busy road, consistently for three years in a row. And I met more people than anyone. And my income went up when people were leaving the business. Fear, I can go on and on and on, Randy, but I will tell you from experience and many of them, I don't think, I don't think fear is a bad thing, brother. Well, I'm with you. Fear is a powerful, powerful motivator. And uh, it's uh, motivated me to do many great things. Um, on the other side of fear is courage. And so when we, when we have that fear and we fight through it, then we found courage in ourselves or in whatever it is in front of us. So I, I think fear is, um, is a wonderful tool. Uh, everybody responds differently, you know, when they hear that word and some cower. Well, then I sense that they're not very courageous in accomplishing something. But um, yeah. Your business today, is it more bulletproof than ever? 
or how do you see that? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't want to ever lose humility to think that, you know, you're untouchable as far as um, issues, problems, concerns, or changes that could happen in our industry that would, you know, change the way we do business or how we do business or if we could do business. I don't ever want to feel or seem that way. Uh, I think that the layers that are in place now um, are deeper and stronger that allow for a more, a more solidified uh, strength for the corporation. I'll say it in that manner. But I, I don't, I think that, uh, I think as, as leaders or anybody who owns a business of any sort should always, you know, stay humble to realize and know that, first of all, be grateful for what you have. If it's even in the beginning stages, or even if, if you're, you've already built it, you don't plan on doing much more, whatever it is. Uh, but no, I, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I think it's important I'll say it that way. I think it's important to have that view on it, to be humble, be careful, be humble, and uh, never take things for granted. Yeah, uh, that's powerful. Humbleness um, is an amazing insulator against so many things. And uh, there's a lot of businesses and a lot of business people that have uh, felt fallen out of that, and they find themselves in a situation where sometimes there's no way out. So I really appreciate that. Um, Business ideas, um, you've had, I'm sure, many business ideas. Um, have you uh, tapped into your biggest and best at this point, or you think there's still another one there? And I'll say, let me just share this. Um, the most productive ages in a human are beyond your years. Studies show that uh, the most productive years financially productive years are 60 to 75 years of age. So has the biggest idea, the biggest venture found you yet, Dan? I hope not. I hope not. I'm excited and I'm open. And I have, you know, I've got one daughter in second year university at Western doing the business program. She's got the IB business program there. And she's starting to bombard me with ideas. I can see the juices start to flow. And it's bringing back some of my youthful fun when I talk to her. So that's kind of cool. And two more up and coming to university that are both showing interest in business as well. So, I mean, that always helps and that's always fun. You know, Randy, it's interesting you say that. I'm almost 60 years old and I genuinely believe there's some, there some more things. I sometimes believe, and I love these words, I sometimes really believe it too. And, and maybe more, even more now than I did five years ago. I'm just getting started. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, I believe you there as well. By the way, I just turned 60 about uh, about a month ago. So uh, right on. It's, a, it's, a, it's a fun spot to be. Um, there's so many great liberties as you grow through the ages. And people fear age, but I just think there's greater liberties in front of us every time we accomplish something or we we get a new decade under a belt. So good on you for uh, almost being at 60. And you look fantastic, by the way. <laughs> Ditto, man. Thanks. Wow. Wow. Looking great. Um, challenges that we may be facing as an industry or in your in your life, your business, any any challenges that you see coming up that we should be sharing with the listeners so we're preparing them for something that they maybe have no idea of? So I, I assume I, your listeners and your audience, most are realtors, I, I assume. Well, 
Not necessarily, but um, but a lot of them are real estate agents and realtors. Okay, well, I, I can reference challenges specific to and in business specific to my industry because I think that I'm pretty attuned with that, especially you know running a training company mm -hmm. and running an active real estate team, which by the way is my unique selling problem with coaching is. Hey man, we're doing this. You know, we're doing this turnkey. We're selling a house each and every day. We can show you how to sell. You know, if you only want to sell 10 homes a month, we can get you there, right? So, uh, but I will say this, Randy, I've noticed realtors and a large amount of the population in the Toronto Real Estate Board where I am, which is 65,000 realtors or so, well, whatever it is today, I'm not sure. I have a little lower maybe. But I, I can say with, with the strong integrity, because I watched this happen, a lot of people are new to our business. A lot of people, and by new, I mean some of which have only seen the last five years. They've really not seen a market other than, you know, low-lying fruit and, and everybody wants to do real estate, right? So it's different now. Things are changing now. You and I have seen different markets, markets Randy. I can, you know, with great integrity say to you that 89 to 93, 94 was a very different market than 95 to, you know, 2000. And then I've seen maybe not to that extreme, probably three situations like that. Where, and, and there's been other micro flips in there, but we're going through one now that I believe is it going to be extreme change. You're, you're, we're already seeing it. The proof is there, it's happening. So what I think people need to do now, especially people that haven't seen these previous markets, they need to understand that things aren't going to work the way they once did. And that's okay. We all know the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. That's the definition of insanity. Well, don't go insane and be booted out of this business. Don't be one of those people. Just change the way you do things. It's interesting. We have a, a really great meeting at my office with my team. And I said, look, I get, it's funny, you know, in the past few months, the market changed. I get different team members coming to me. I got an idea. I want a door knock. I want to, hey, I want to do the Apple Festival. Will you, will you help me set up a blanket and get a logo for the front? Hey, oh, hey, you know, I want to do this. I want to do that. And, and, and I'm like, it, yeah, guys, it's great. I understand that. And they're, and they're like flash in the pan usually. I'm not accusing anybody. They're just saying this is human nature within realtors mm -hmm. and probably within most businesses because you deal with people, business owners from all facets. But they'll try different things because that one didn't work. Let me tell you what the common denominator is in all of them. Though. Really, all you're saying is, I want to meet more people. I want to talk to more people. That's all you're saying. I don't care what you're selling or what you're doing. Ultimately, when you try different things, all you're saying is you want to meet more people. That's it. Now, with regards to how you break the ice, what language you use, how you set reciprocity, how you create relationships, and how you get people to actually like you at a higher level, that's some skill development that we can help you with that if you want or need. But don't forget the common denominator. All you're saying is, I want to meet more people. The problem is, the problem is, very few of us are able to stay the course with any one thing, track its results, input the data and realize that after two hours of prospecting every day, six days a week for 90 days, then you have a true, honest uh, paper worth tracking or a record worth tracking that'll give you results. One of the girls on my team, fairly new, um, has been working on the team now for two months and she just finished her, her training. And for 30 days, she's been on the phone two hours every day for 30 days. So I said in the meeting on Monday, I said, the magic you're looking for is in the work you're avoiding. 
and bang, I just push some buttons, right, on some people, right? And she, she said, well, what if I'm not avoiding the work and I'm actually doing it, but I'm not getting the results? And I said, hang on, whoa, 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 what, what do you mean? That's great, that's honest, I like that, talk to me. She said, Dan, I've been prospecting two hours a day, six days a week for 30 days now. I said, that's awesome, how, how are you doing? She, I said, have you sold a house or listed a home? How much money are you gonna make? And I knew the answer was gonna be nothing because I already knew. And she said, no. And I said, wow, what a failure. You should stop. Because everybody else stops long before 30 days. By the way, good for you for getting through 30 days. Most people don't last four days. And, and, and she just went, I said, hey, I'm just playing with you. Listen to me. Let me ask you a question. Have you put any quality follow-ups in your CRM, real estate flow? And she said, and I was hoping she'd say at least four or five. She said 32. The room just went like this and I clapped. I said, now that is success. I said, out of those 32, how many would you say are integral, from an honest integral standpoint, going to do some form of business with you in the next 12 months? Because that's cash flow to me. Mm -hmm. She said, at least five of them. Mm. I said, I said, Julius, Julius, I said, you've got to understand, this is huge. You keep going for 90 days, you're going to start to turn money over now. But that's the problem. Most people are looking for quick fixes, Randy, and they just quit too soon, man. 100% agree. Um, I'm doing an event uh, out here in Vancouver and uh, the whole event is going to be on prospecting and there's just 20 hits on all different types of prospecting. All I want to do is have the agent in the audience realize that this is their jam and this is their jam and just do one or two of those and do them for a minimum, a minimum of six months before you evaluate if it's a right or wrong thing to do. Even better, even better. I agree, brother. I'm with you. Um, but uh, we give up way too quickly, way too easily. And um, our success is, well, it's kind of like the way we play with social media. We, uh, we're, we're, we're in and out, in and out, in and out, and we never really actually do anything. And that's uh, so much of the problem with prospecting in our, in our business. Well, um, let's move on. Um, family's important to you. Friendships, I think, are very important to you. Business partners are very important to you. Uh, success is really in the power of proximity. Um, is there somebody that you should be naming here? Just give me a shout out that you say, man, I owe a lot to this one person or these two people. Besides Randy. Well, I will tell you this. <laughs> well, Randy, actually, you know what, Randy? And I'm, I'm, I shouldn't say this because you've just said that, but I will say this. You're an amazing guy. I know you. I've known you for a long, long time. Talk about fantastic leader. I'm, I'm so proud to have watched your accomplishments over the years. And thank you for having me here today, by the way. But, dude, you're amazing. Yeah, I know. I appreciate you. I, I will tell you this, Randy. I, I can say with, uh, you know, without getting emotional, I hope, my wife. Rachel's an amazing person. She, uh, she came into my life at a time when I was having a hard time. And uh, yeah, pretty amazing person. I really wonder if any of any of the successful things that I've enjoyed would have happened at all without her. I could say that mm. with great integrity. And then, of course, you know, as I said, every you know, everyday heroes would include sometimes people I just run into, but some great authors I I, I, I connect with in a book. Like I read books sometimes, I feel like I know them. I'm like, I gotta meet this person, man. This is this person's amazing, right? So uh, Tony Robbins has always had a huge influence in my life. 
Um, I've uh, years ago, years and years ago, I was uh, affiliated with a, a church group growing up, having been born into that. And I had some great church leaders in my life. Uh, Mel Stetson, who was a coach of mine, he played for the US Olympic basketball team going way back, but he uh, he coached me basketball one year. Great guy, phenomenal guy who who just loved, loved, loved helping people. And and I mean on and off the court, man. This guy was dedicated. You know, a great coach isn't somebody that blow the whistle and tell you how to move. A great coach helps you understand what it means to move as a human being as you're developing and growing as a teenager. That's pretty amazing to me. And I went on and was fortunate to uh, take on roles in high school coaching, different teams across and around the GTA and then at, at an OCAA level, uh, which is a paid level, a college level. I was able to take on coaching system for senior uh, men's university team. And, and I was so happy to give back. It's a big commitment, by the way, brother. But uh, yeah, some of the coaches, some of the, my, my leaders, some mentors, but a uh, big shout out to my wife. And um, this is not just because I know she'll probably see this. I genuinely mean that. <laughs> um. I know you do. And, uh, you know, behind every great man is is a better woman. I and believe that. I have to say the same about uh, my world, my business. Everything that I am is because I've got an amazing, amazing wife named Jolene. Uh, we've been married 36 years. We've met 38 years. Uh, we looked awesome. across the parking lot at each other in a, in a college parking lot. And we got locked eyes. And we talk about manifestation and vibration and frequency. And when you know you know amazing um love it i love it i love it you know i i will say also randy my parents have been steadfast and true uh together uh, 173 years or whatever it is now they say sometimes to each other no but seriously a long time and uh happy you know 60 plus years together in their 80s and they're you know that's amazing right that's that's pretty powerful too and it's funny you say behind every successful man is a great woman you know i i'm in a household with three daughters my wife and often her mom's over and and they'll tell me behind every great woman is a, a great mom as well you know they'll say they'll say it like that too right <laughs> so no I'm, I'm very fortunate i'm very very fortunate and i'm i'm and i love hearing how long you've connected with and been with your wife that's so cool that's that's pretty cool man thank you thank you yeah um and of course, you know, it's never easy. Life is never easy. Um, relationships are never easy, but uh, but they're all well worth it. So easy yeah. is no fun. Easy is no fun. That's true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> easy gets boring. <laughs> well, this has been really, really awesome. Is there something else that you'd like to share about uh, return on life? Your your business, your life, your family. Is there something else you'd like to do before we kind of round it up here with some uh, speed round? Well, the only thing I would add would be, you know, we, we jumped into greater depth as a team when I brought up the magic you're looking for is in the work you're avoiding. And I went on to say, stop complaining about the results you didn't get from the work you didn't put in. The only way to become more successful than the most that in most people is by doing the work that most people aren't willing to do. And, and it just ties into that abbreviated statement that I made the magic you're looking for is in the work you're avoiding. And, and I say that because it goes back to a couple of things you've asked as we've spoke over the last hour now, uh, specifically to, you know, what do people need to do or differently? And I believe the difference is understanding that people would reach out to us more that, that would a low light fruit would want to do business 
that doesn't mean there aren't, aren't people who still want to do business. You need to find them. And if that means prospecting in any aspect, which you and I have covered and talked about briefly, um, you know, make it part of your, your everyday, make it part of your everyday routine. And if you don't like prospecting, I don't care. Uh, I can tell you it matters. You know, it matters. Um, and, and by that, I mean, discipline yourself to do 45 minutes uninterrupted, get your phone up and call people, connect, try warm calls. Don't do cold calls. There's many things you can do to warm call. You just list of souls in any business. There's much, there's many warm call calls available to you as opposed to cold and, and have purpose in your, your language. That's not about you, but it's about them. And, and we do scripts, we run scripts, we help people get results. I remember years ago, uh, Mike Ferry said that when I sat in the front row of one of his seminars years and years ago, brother, like 1990, and he said, you got to call, you got to call people. And he said, I don't care how they call. Here's the phone book. By the way, a phone book is a list or a directory of everybody's names and phone numbers for those who don't know that. And, and he said, just start calling, just start calling people and don't stop. And you do that for four hours a day. And he had a very canned approach. Here's the language. Listen, are you thinking of buying or selling real estate? Is there anything I can help you with? I work at such and such office and we sell homes. And it was pretty simple. It was just a canned approach. Get to the point. And he said, because I know, because I track everything for every hundred people that I connect with, I'm going to get a lead, one lead. So, and then, you know, but agents give up because they get hung up on or people swear at them. You learn a whole new vocabulary of swear words when you're prospecting, <laughs> right? Especially cold calling back then. That's why I think warm calling is better. But he said this and I thought, okay, that's kind of cool. But then he went on to joke with somebody. He said, I don't like people when they swear at me. He said, oh, I love those. He said, that's just, those are the ones that hang up with me quicker. They don't waste my time. And that gets me closer to that one, 199, 98, 97. Those are my favorites, he said. And I thought, that's an interesting perspective, right? He sees that as a plus when somebody gets off the phone quick and swears at him, where other people would be crushed by this stuff, right? So I think a lot of the stuff we create that stops us or freezes us or stops us from moving forward or pushing or doing more is just crap we make up in our head. And I think we need to shift our perspectives and how we see things, change our habits by implementing 45 minutes to an hour of calling and then get out of the office and take a break for 15 minutes, come back and do it again. You reward yourself with that. There's little things you can do and put into place that will create new habits that will allow your life to adapt as the markets change. So you will be successful in any business that applies to any business. Right. And then return on life enters, not just the ROI. Well, I, Randy, I agree. I mean, we're not doing business for business. We're doing business for a better life. And, and let's not forget that. Right. So I mean, well said. Yeah. Okay. Well done. Let's uh, finish off with a bit of a speed round here. Oh, so fine dining, takeout, home cooked meal, or Uber Eats. Home cooked meal. Home cooked meal. My wife's a phenomenal cook, brother. That's oh. an easy one for me. Where's my invite? Okay, open, open door for you anytime. I will pick you up at the airport, brother. You know I love you, man. Go on. <laughs> right on. Uh, what do you do to let your hair down besides be at the lake and uh, make maple syrup and smoke fish? We love to boat, and I love, I still love my jet ski. I love mm -hmm. it. Rachel and I take off in the jet skis. Um, we, we live in the, the lake house, by the way. We move in here July, August. I think you know that. Yes. And uh, we love it. We just, we, 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 we literally immerse ourselves here. And we'll go, we'll cross the lake to her mom's place or her brother's on the same lake. Uh, in the mornings, we'll have coffee with them. 
And so it's kind of cool. We can do that. You know, if it makes common, I also love snowmobiling. Mm, awesome. Speed. Speed is everything. What do you like to listen to? What's your favorite band? Well, you know, that's interesting. I, I, I'm very, I, I think, diversified somewhat, but I will tell you my main stream of enjoyment would probably be Eagles, Super Tramp, Zeppelin, Elton John, Billy Joel. There, I'll give you a few. Mm, awesome. Old school. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Text, talk, or in person? Uh, oh, I, I in person for sure. In person for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. But text, talk. I, I, I prefer to. I call somebody before I text them. But in person, even more so. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't know that question was coming. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, right on. And Audible or book? Book, hard, hard, hard copy. Mm. Hard, hard cover. Yeah. I just, uh, I met Ed Milet recently and I had his book with me. And in the front of the book, I always, um, if I see something that I just absolutely love in the book, I go to the front of the book and I write down the page number. Right. So I can go back to my book a year later, 10 years later, and go, what resonated with me in this book? And I just go, oh, page 38. And I go to 38. I and, love the of that. Cool. And so I had Ed sign it where I'd taken my notes. It was really cool. That's so cool. So I highlight and go through a book. But I like what I like what you're doing better, I think, actually. Because I, I mean, highlight it too, or I circle it and, and start yeah, it. That's that's quicker reference. Yeah. Okay, last question, trick question. If you were a scratch and sniff sticker, a scratch and sniff sticker, and I came and scratched your back, what would I smell? Hmm? Do I understand this question? If, if I were, if you were a, scratch... a scratch and sniff sticker and I came and I scratched you, what would I smell? What would be the aroma? I'll give you a little time to think about it. I love being at the beach. My wife and our beach people, I would have the smell of sea breeze and a pina colada. Okay, brother. I like that. Okay, I can answer in that way. Because, yeah, okay, that's cool. I, I got you. Uh, because you know Tom Ford is one of the colognes I like. I was going to say that, but uh, I, I would say now, looking out as I look over the, the lot here, the the front lot that faces the water of the cottage, you'd smell leaves right now, brother. You'd smell autumn. Um, I'm hoping after this, and I go on a little fish here out in the lake, that you're going to smell some fish. But <laughs> you got to you got to catch them first, right? So I guess it depends on the time of year, because you know the reference that you just made with regards to the beach and the pina colada, I love it. We have a private beach here on the property as well. But, you know, even in the winter, when I'm stopped out in the middle of the lake on a crisp winter day and the sun is shining and it just glistens off the snow, there's a certain smell in the air for every season. It's one of the reasons I absolutely love the climate that we live in here in Ontario. I love the four seasons. So I guess, brother, it would depend on the time of year that you were sniffing my back. <laughs> I'll say it like that. Oh, great answer, great answer. Dan, I want to thank you so much for being an amazing guest on Return of Life podcast. Uh, it is all about Return of Life, and I know that you live it large. So uh, thank you for being a guest. Really appreciate you, and just wish you much, much success in chasing whatever you're chasing. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Take care. See you, brother.